text for this morning's sermon is Revelation 8, verses 1 to 5. We'll read those verses again. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, have you ever considered what God must think about this world and all the people in it? God created this world perfect. Yet with the fall into sin, man's nature was changed. We became totally corrupt. Instead of glorifying God, man's heart became self-focused. Instead of loving God, we are inclined to hate God and our neighbor. Genesis 6 verse 5 gives God's evaluation on mankind. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It caused God great sadness to see his creation defiled. Genesis 6, verse 6 says, And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. There were two specific things that caused God's sadness and also great anger against mankind. Man's great wickedness and his violence, which filled the earth. Now consider the world in which we live. The past century is by far the most violent period of human history. Many millions of lives have been lost, fighting in various wars and conflicts. Yet what's even worse is that so much violence has been sanctioned as legal and right in many parts of the world. The most recent statistics show that between 40 and 50 million induced abortions occur each year. Worldwide, one in four pregnancies ends in abortion. Just imagine the cries of all these little babies ascending into the throne room in heaven above. And there is so much more wickedness and violence that occurs in the world today. The rich oppress the poor. People run drugs, and the effects on many are catastrophic. Slavery is making a comeback. It's estimated that there are about 40 million victims of human trafficking. Sexual assault is an everyday occurrence. 
Many of the aged and the infirm are euthanized. We live in a pretty brutal world. And God sees and he knows everything that goes on. He hears the anguish and the despair of so many who are victimized by others. In our world today, Christians are oppressed and persecuted. In many Muslim nations, Islamic oppression involves deportation to labor camps, kidnapping, and killing. From China, we hear reports about, church, about house churches being shut down, about internment camps being built, and people being arrested and detained because of their faith. In Canada, there's been a push to promote same-sex relationships and to allow people to identify with whatever gender they prefer. We've seen Christians discriminated against through human rights tribunals, through the summer jobs program, and especially through the establishment of so-called anti-bullying clubs in Christian schools. How do you think the Lord God in heaven above feels about all the wickedness and the violence that's happening all around us? In Genesis 6, the Lord was so grieved by the wickedness of man that he resolved to blot man out from the face of the earth. He sent the flood to destroy all of mankind except for Noah and his family. Afterward, God resolved never again to wipe man off the face of the earth. Yet our God remains a righteous judge. Romans 1 teaches us that he will pour out his wrath against the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men. This morning our text is taken from the revelation of Jesus Christ to the Apostle John to show us the things that must soon take place. Revelation tells us of the things that happen in the final days, in the time, in the time period between Christ's ascension into heaven and his return. It gives us a perspective on God's judgments against the wickedness and the violence of man. In the chapters leading up to our text, we've seen the opening of the first six seals. Revelation 8 records the opening of the seventh seal. This action leads to God's righteous judgments being unleashed on the sinful world. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. The Lamb opens the seventh seal to usher in God's judgments on the earth. We'll see how silence anticipates judgment, how the saints pray for God's judgment, and how God confirms his coming judgment. It has been a few years since I preached to you from Revelation, and so it would be beneficial to give a short review of the previous chapters. Revelation 5 speaks about how John saw a scroll sealed with seven seals in the right hand of God, seated on the heavenly throne. In the Roman world, a scroll sealed with seven seals was someone's last will and testament. When a person's last will and testament is read, his wishes are revealed. Usually that sets in motion a series of actions. A person's estate is sold, the monies are divided. 
Similarly, the scroll in God's right hand contains his purposes and his plans for the end of time. It reveals God's plan for the judgment and salvation of the human race. In the heavenly courtroom, a mighty angel cried out, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? At first, no one was found worthy. But then the lamb came forward, and he was found worthy of opening the seals. For he was slain, and by his blood he ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Revelation 6 details the opening of the first six seals. Each time one of the first four seals is opened, Christ sends forth a horseman to bring judgment on the earth. With the opening of the first seal, Christ sends forth war on the earth. We all know what happens when military forces are unleashed and various tribes and nations go to war. There's bloodshed, violence, shattered lives, suffering, and death. There's rape, subjugation, terror, and grief. With the opening of the second seal, Christ takes peace from the earth. He allows law and order to break down, injustices to prevail, the rich to oppress the poor, and different nationalities and cultures to fight against each other. With the opening of the third seal, Christ sends famine on the earth. And with the opening of the fourth seal, he sends forth plague and disease, mass murders and disasters. Christ sends out various judgments on the earth, which bring distress, suffering, and death. These judgments are a warning about the coming wrath of God. Warfare, bloodshed, economic depressions, famines, genocide, and disasters. These things cause immense suffering. Yet they're a proclamation of the final judgment of God, which is to come. His fury and wrath will be great on all who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the final day, Jesus Christ will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on all evildoers. With the opening of the fifth seal, John sees under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. These are the people who have been martyred for their faith. Do you know what these martyrs cry out? They said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on all those who dwell on the earth? All these souls are crying out to God for vengeance on those who oppressed, persecuted, and killed them. They're calling for judgment to come on all those who hate God and his church and who martyr his people. They're told to rest a little longer. Revelation 6 also details the opening of the sixth seal. Here we see the Lamb give an answer to the cries of the martyrs. Jesus Christ ushers in judgment day. John sees many terrified people. 
all those who are alienated from God will come under his judgment. On the final day, they will know that their time has come. They'll be filled with great fear. They will cry out for the mountains and the rocks to fall on them because they're terrified to appear before the wrath of the Lamb of God. In Revelation 7, we expect to hear about the opening of the seventh seal. But that was delayed. First, God sent forth an angel with the seal of the living God to mark out all his chosen and redeemed people. Our gracious God seals all those who are his. He places his mark on their foreheads. He names them as his sons and daughters, as his precious people. God not only identifies those who are his with his own seal, he also pours out his spirit on his people. He empowers them to walk in his ways. God watches over all his chosen ones, and he gathers them into his kingdom. That brings us to our text. It tells us what happened when the Lamb opened the seventh seal. At this point, we'd expect nothing other than a vision of Christ's coming. But that's not what happens. Instead, the opening of the seventh seal leads, leading to the last day when Christ comes in power and glory, it leads to another cycle of judgment. God is not finished showing us the things that will take place during the last days. Revelation is structured so that seven seals are followed by seven trumpets. The seven trumpets will in turn be followed by the seven bowls of God's wrath. Revelation views the last days, the time from Christ's ascension to his return, from different angles and perspectives. As Revelation progresses, God's judgments are intensified. God wants us to be prepared to face his judgments on this violent and wicked world. He wants us to see that his hand is at work in all the wars and the calamities and the disasters that occur all around us. God wants us to be aware that Jesus Christ is coming again to judge the living and the dead. He's coming to wreak vengeance on all his and our enemies, while at the same time vindicating all those who have faith in him. Our text says, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. That's pretty amazing. Please remember, beloved, that heaven's a pretty noisy place. All the inhabitants are heaven, of heaven are constantly praising God. Revelation 4 and 5 made that clear. Around the throne of God are four living creatures. Day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever they give glory to God, the 24 elders fall down before him and praise him, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Many angels, numbering 10,000 times 10,000, join in singing. Worthy is a lamb who was slain 
to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Everyone in heaven is praising and glorifying God. Besides that, flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder issue forth from God's heavenly throne. Yet when the Lamb of God opened the seventh seal, all that stopped. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Just imagine that, beloved. Normally heaven's a place filled with worship, songs, and praise. So why did this happen? Why was there silence in heaven? From the Old Testament, we learn that it happens more often, that, heaven, that in heaven there's silence before God's judgments are poured out. Habakkuk 2 is an oracle of judgment against Babylon in which various woes are proclaimed against her because of her wicked deeds and her idolatry. Verse 20 says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Similarly, in Zechariah 2, the Lord promises to avenge his wrath on Babylon for taking his people, the apple of his eye, into captivity. Verse 13 says, Be silent all flesh before the Lord, for he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. Now during this silence in heaven, John saw seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. The seven angels who stand before God are identified in other places as archangels. Two of them are identified by name in the Bible, Michael and Gabriel. These seven mighty angels are given seven trumpets. This reminds us of what happened in Joshua 6, when Israel conquered Jericho. The Lord instructed the seven priests were to bear seven trumpets before the ark. On the seventh day, after marching around the city seven times, the priests blew the trumpets, the people shouted, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Please remember, beloved, that it was not until the iniquity of the Amorites was full that the Lord allowed his people to return from Egypt and to destroy the Canaanite nations. Yet when judgments came upon Jericho, on this first city Israel conquered in the Promised Land, it was announced with seven trumpet blasts. The trumpet blasts are symbolic of God's wrath against the violence and the wickedness of these Canaanite nations. In the same way, in the prophecies of Joel, the day of the Lord is announced with the sounding of the trumpet. Zephaniah also speaks about the day of the Lord being marked with a trumpet blast and a battle cry. He speaks about it being a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom. It'll be a day on which the Lord brings distress on mankind. And so we see, beloved, that God cares about what's happening on this earth. 
God sees and knows all that mankind is doing. God is deeply grieved by man's wickedness and sin. His wrath is aroused by man's disregard of him and his holy commandments. What especially provokes God's wrath is man's violence and bloodshed. God created man in his image. He's always been provoked when blood is shed. He hears the cries of millions of aborted babies. He sees the anguish and despair of many who are victimized by others. God will not sit idly by while such atrocities occur. He will bring forth judgments on the earth as a warning of how his wrath will fall on all who do not love and serve him. This brings us to our second point, and we'll see how the saints pray for God's judgment. Our text continues by mentioning how John saw another angel appear. He came and stood at the altar with a golden censer and was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. In the Old Testament worship of God, after burnt offerings and sacrifices had been offered to make atonement for the people, the priest who was serving that day would go into the temple and offer incense on a small altar in front of the most holy place. Each day, the priest would take some hot coals from the altar of burnt offering. He'd put them on the golden altar of incense. Then he'd put handfuls of incense on the hot coals. It would begin to smolder and burn. Then he would pray for God's people. And the sweet-smelling aroma of the incense offering would take the people's prayers up to God. An example of this is about Zechariah ministered before God in the days before John and Jesus were born. In Revelation 6, verse 9, we read of the souls of those who had been martyred being under the altar. They prayed, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on all those who dwell on the earth? In our text, something similar is happening. Yet it does not just involve the saints in heaven. Our text speaks of the prayers of all the saints. This includes the church of all ages, of saints on earth and saints in heaven. All God's people praying before the throne room of heaven, petitioning God. Our text says that the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. What do these prayers include? Our text does not specifically say. Yet the prayer of the souls under the altar was a prayer for justice. It was a prayer that God would judge and avenge their blood on those who dwell on the earth. Following our text, we see how the seven angels blow seven trumpets and how God's judgments are poured forth on the earth. So we may conclude that God's people were praying for God to show forth his righteousness and his justice, for him to save his people and to wreak vengeance on all his enemies.
Does that make you uncomfortable, beloved? Do you pray for the Lord to judge the earth with righteousness and the peoples with equity? Sometimes for us as Westerners, living in a free and prosperous society, this may be difficult. We still live in a society founded on a Judeo-Christian basis. We live in a democracy with a constitution and a charter of rights. We have a police and court system to enforce the rule of law. That's not to say that injustices never occur in our land. But we don't experience them in the same way as many in this world do. In many places throughout the world and throughout time, people have not been so fortunate. History is full of examples of rulers subjugating those under them, of the rich oppressing the poor, of the strong dominating the weak, and of the wicked persecuting Christians. Imagine being a farmer in communist Russia or in present-day South Africa and having your farm taken from you by the government. Imagine being a day laborer in the 1800s, working for pennies a day, unable to feed your family while your boss gets rich. Imagine being a pretty girl in almost any third world country and being taken and raped by the village leader. Imagine being a Christian in almost any time period and being hung or beheaded or burnt because you were not willing to recant your faith in Jesus Christ. What are the powerless to do when evil men oppress, abuse, and murder them? Many times there was little or nothing they could do. At times their hearts were filled with anger and with bitterness. They looked for opportunities to get even, to find revenge. But the Bible teaches us not to avenge ourselves, but to leave it to God's wrath. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so what God's people throughout the ages have done is to pray for God to wreak vengeance on their enemies and to avenge their blood. Psalm 94 is a good example of this. God's people cry out, O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Repay the proud what they deserve. And why do God's people pray this? Because the wicked crush your people and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. They do all that with arrogant hearts. They say the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob does not perceive. They think that in all their power they are untouchable. Yet God's people are comforted by knowing the Lord is their stronghold and refuge. Psalm 94 ends with their confident assertion that God will repay their enemies for their sins and wipe them out 
for their wickedness. Beloved, part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us is a prayer for deliverance from and vengeance on evildoers. In the second petition, we pray, Your kingdom come. We pray in that prayer that God rule over us by His Word and Spirit, that God preserve and increase His church. Yet that's not all we pray for. We also pray that God will destroy the works of the devil, every power that raises itself against him, and every conspiracy against his holy word. We're praying for God to see the injustices committed against us and to punish unrepentant evildoers. Do you ever pray this kind of prayer? Do you pray for God to defeat the ungodly agenda promoted by many in our society, which advocates for abortion rights, for euthanizing the aged and infirm, for promoting same-sex relationships and gender rights? Do you pray for the Lord to bring judgment on Satan and all evil forces that oppress and persecute his people? God's word teaches us to pray according to his promises. Thus we're allowed. We're even required to pray for God to pour out his wrath against the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men. This brings us to our final point, how God confirms his coming judgment Our text ends with the angel going back to the altar and filling his censer with fire. The angel then threw these burning coals on the earth. The result was that there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. This is God's response to the prayers of all his saints. It's God's confirmation that he has heard the prayer of his saints for justice and judgment. Thunder, lightning, and earthquakes are symbols of God's awesome majesty and power and of his judgment. When God's people appeared before him at Mount Sinai, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. So all the people in the camp trembled. 2 Samuel 22 records the song David sang when the Lord delivered him from the hand of his enemies. He speaks about how in his distress he had called upon the Lord. He speaks about how the Lord heard him and answered his cries. He says, The Lord thundered from heaven. The Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them. Lightning and routed them. Thus with mighty signs and wonders God delivered David. From the hands of his enemies. God will not sit silently in heaven, allowing wickedness, oppression, and violence to go unchecked. In Psalm 94, the psalmist asked, He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? God sees and knows everything that happens on this earth. 
He is a just judge. God cannot stand man's rebellion against him, his wickedness, violence, and immorality. There's a warning in this for us, beloved. By nature, we are no better than any of the people of this world. We too were conceived and born in sin. We are as prone to sin as the people of this world around us. We need to flee to Christ in repentance, seeking refuge in his blood shed for us on the cross. We need to seek the renewing work of the Spirit that we may live God-fearing lives before him. We need to continue to be a witness in this world to testify of God's abundant grace to all who acknowledge their sins and find salvation in Christ alone. Yet there are those who have hardened themselves in their sin and their rebellion against God. People whose hearts are filled with wickedness, with rebellion against the Lord. People who oppress, who persecute Christ's church, who cause untold suffering through their violence and evil. Our comfort is that Christ is coming again to judge the living and the dead. He will come to rescue his elect people and to destroy all evildoers. Let us continue to pray for God to execute justice and righteousness on this earth. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing from Psalm 76, stanzas 3, 4, and 5.